Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Girlfriend's Guide to Sports podcast. My name is Claire Coles, and this is your weekly update. It's Monday, December 4th. Let's start with what you missed over the last week. Then we'll move on to what to watch this upcoming week in the world of sports. Oh man, it was a crazy weekend after conference championship week for college football and the final four in the college football playoff was announced. I almost just want to even start there just because it was absolutely crazy. So you know what? We're gonna. So starting with college football this week, because it was conference championship weekend, starting with the not power fives. Liberty won the Conference USA championship and is now the highest ranked group of five team, which means they get a New Year's six bowl game. Also, unranked SMU upset number 22 Tulane for their first conference title since 1984. Y'all, that literally is when my mom graduated from SMU, so that should put that in perspective. And that was because they got the death penalty after that. It has literally been since the death penalty and what was called Pony Express back in the day. So absolutely awesome for SMU to get back on that side of it. They win the American Athletic Conference, and they did it with a backup quarterback. So pony up. All right, so now moving on to the Power Fives, starting with the Pac-12, because that was Friday night. The Oregon versus Washington rematch was just as good as it was the first time, and it ended with the same result. So that is now three straight games that Washington has won by three points. The Huskies put up 10 points in the first quarter, and then it looked like it was going to get out of hand. Washington went up 20-3 to at one point, but then Oregon would score three straight touchdowns to go up 24-20 to at the beginning of the fourth quarter. But then Washington scored two back-to-back touchdowns, and they got the ball back to the Ducks, or gave the ball back to the Ducks with 2.44 to play, Bo Nix, Their quarterback only needed two plays to score, and the Ducks try an onside kick. 
but it was unsuccessful and the Huskies run out the clock. So Washington remains undefeated and is the final Pac-12 champion. Then on Saturday morning, the Big 12 championship was not nearly as entertaining with Texas knew they needed some style points to get into the college football playoff, and they made their statement. UT put up 21 points in the first quarter and 35 in the first half. The Longhorns were 19-point favorites over the Oklahoma State Cowboys, and that bet cashed as they won 49-21. to UT captures their first championship, conference championship since 2009. Not a good thing for other schools, as that is also the last time they won the national championship as well. And then the crazy chaos will reign result happened in the SEC championship game. This was probably what the college football playoff committee was hoping wouldn't happen because Georgia had gone 29 straight games without a loss and their last loss being in the SEC championship game to Alabama. And then the tide would again end that streak. Georgia came out swinging, scoring on their first possession, and man, it looked easy but clearly they were dealing with some injuries both tight ends were like limping off the field at one point and after that it was all Alabama's night Nick Saban's team put up 17 straight points going into halftime then we went score for score but Bama would not relinquish the lead in the second half we were without a touchdown until about 11 minutes to go in the game and then we had three straight on the next three possessions Alabama is the SEC champion once again, 27 to 24. So Alabama did their job in making the CFP interesting. And then the night games were less exciting. To no one's surprise, Michigan shut out Iowa 26-0. They end their season at a perfect 13-0, just like Washington. And then Florida State found itself in a pickle with not only their starting quarterback, Jordan Travis, who has now been out for two weeks, but also their backup quarterback, Rodemaker, also out on likely concussion protocol. It did not matter, though, as they played number 14 Louisville and who did have their starter and didn't score a touchdown. Florida State would also go undefeated and claim their ACC championship with a little less verve in it, though, with only winning 16-6. to And then as far as the non-Power Fives, Miami of Ohio won the MAC in an exciting game. App State took the Sun Belt title, and Boise State won the Mountain West. Like I said... <laughs> Oh, man, the college football playoff, it was absolutely insane. Um, so we basically had five teams, you could argue six teams, vying for four spots in the college football playoff. Number one was easy, went to Michigan. Sure, no problem. Number two, Washington, of course, no problem. So that's undefeated team, undefeated team. So if you're like, oh, next undefeated team, Florida State, nope. Next team, number three, was Texas. So those style points clearly needed and well appreciated by the college football playoff committee. Then we all waited with bated breath. So Texas did beat Alabama in the non-conference game. So you knew Texas had to be above Alabama. Well, no problem because that fourth spot's going to Florida State. Undefeated, conference champ, why not? Alabama slides in at number four to utter outrage across the college football landscape you are either on the most deserving side or you are on the resume side it is kind of what the two camps I've put it in so the most deserving being you just want the four best teams in the country in there no matter what 
I personally don't like that argument because I also think Georgia deserves to be in there, but you know, you're going to kick them out. Also, where does Ohio State go into that? So, but that being said, making it to the conference championship and then going with the teams that look like the best four teams, that is kind of one argument. That is the Texas Alabama argument. That is what the college football playoff commissioner did come out and say. And then they also said that Florida State has not looked the same as they did when they had their quarterback, Jordan Travis. That is a huge shame because Jordan Travis came out and said, I wish I'd broken my leg earlier so that you guys could see that this team could still rally. Florida State did everything they you asked of them. They went undefeated. They played in non-conference games that were very impressive, including a win over number five at the time, LSU, by almost 20 points, actually 21 points, as well as a win over a Florida team with their backup quarterback, by the way. So two SEC team wins on their schedule, including a head-to-head that you could compare Alabama and LSU, and Florida State would beat LSU by more, and they still don't let them in. So it is now Georgia versus Florida State in the Orange Bowl, looking out on the outside, looking into the college football playoff. It is a huge disappointment for those athletes in that room. It was heartbreaking to watch them with that reaction. But anyway, that is what you are hearing is all of these arguments. And I thought about doing a whole nother podcast on a reaction series. Frankly, just didn't have the time. And I may go back and do it anyway on like what the argument is here and why, who should be ranked where. Um, personally, I don't like it. I think they should have put Florida state in at least, at least over Alabama. I understand it. I don't like it over Texas, but over Alabama. Um, but I did call it. I, and here's where I'm going to kind of make my crazy prediction. I called it earlier that Alabama, like at the beginning of the season that Alabama would make the college football playoff. I also think they may win the college football playoff. And I think if that does happen, Saban will retire and walk off into the sunset which would just set the college football like world ablaze. So anyway, just wanted to give you a little bit of rundown on that because that is by far the biggest headline uh, coming out of the weekend. And again, I think another one of the reasons why they didn't put Florida State in there is the average margin of victory in the college football playoff is 19 points. And frankly, I just don't, I, I know Kirk Herbstreet, one of the biggest analysts and one of the biggest like, um, pay-by-play announcers doesn't want that and you were going to get that with a Florida State in there but they are the most deserving and they should have been in there so I'm going to step off my soapbox now (laughs) we're going to continue going on with the college football news I am going to skip coaching carousel for this week just because it was we have so much other stuff to cover so there have been hirings and firings not really a whole lot of firings but a lot of hirings so I'll cover that next week um, when we won't have any really college football news so I'll cover that then but it will be in the blog, The Girlfriend's Guide to Sports. Also this week, um, Transfer Portal opened today. That's why you're seeing a bunch of announcements of like Dylan Gabriel, starting quarterback for the Oklahoma Sooners, going into the Transfer Portal. He by far is not the only one. Oregon State starting quarterback DJ Uyunglele is also in there. I mean, you're gonna about to see a lot of them hit the Transfer Portals. So that is why you're seeing a lot of those today. And then also announced today is Heisman finalists. So they are LSU, Jaden Daniels, Oregon's Bo Nix, Washington's Michael Penix, and Ohio State's running back, Henderson Jr. So absolutely awesome. We've got a running back in there. The rest are quarterbacks. And this is for the Heisman, which is basically the MVP of the entire season for college football. That will be given away this weekend. 
Now let's backtrack and go back to the NBA since I did start with college football, kind of went a little off script here. And we're going to even backtrack further because coming up this month, it is December. So conference championships obviously was this past weekend for college football. And then bowl season begins on the 11th and runs through January 9th. The only other thing that I had to report for this month going on is NCAA Women's Volleyball Championships. That will be the 14th through the 17th. Also, MLS, the final for that will be this weekend on Saturday the 9th. And I'll get to that as we go into what to watch this upcoming week. Now moving to the NBA, I promise. (laughs) So we have some headlines. The Wizards won Monday night to snap their nine-game losing streak. They beat the Pistons by 19. The Magic also get their ninth straight win on Monday as well, but that streak would end the very next game versus the Nets on Saturday. In that game, Mikhail Bridgers would outscore the entire Magic team by himself, putting up 26 points in the first quarter. The Magic only had 22 Also, the Pistons would easily top these streaks of the week, ending the week at 17 straight losses. So, yikes. They only have two wins all season. LeBron hit another milestone this week, this time on Monday. He became the player to have the most minutes played in the NBA. He surpassed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's mark, which was set at 66,297 minutes. Now that is combined post and regular season as well, but... Happened to hit this during their game on Monday against the 76ers where they suffered the worst loss worst loss of LeBron's entire career. The Lakers lost by 44 points. That is tied for fifth worst loss in franchise history as well. The Bucks lost in overtime this week to the Bulls after a crazy back and forth game. The Bucks are now 5 and 5 away despite their overall record being 13 and 6. And then despite scoring 13 unanswered points in the fourth quarter, absolutely crazy streak there, the Mavs still lost against the Thunder by six on Saturday. The most points scored by an entire player this week in one game was Hawk star Trey Young with 45 points in a narrow win against the Spurs and Wemby on Thursday. The in-season tournament quarterfinals will take place today and Tuesday, with the semifinals being Thursday and the final being on Saturday. Also, a little bit of crazy news. Mavericks owner Mark Cuban is selling is working on a deal to sell his majority stake in the Mavs. It looks like the deal is being finalized to the Adelson family, which is basically the Los Angeles Sands Corporation. They are responsible for building the Venetian and the Palazzo. Moving along to college basketball. This week, we had the ACC-SCC Challenge. This was 14 games between the two conferences, and you only need eight wins to win the challenge. But we finished at exactly split at 7 and 7. So we started with a ranked matchup number 8 Miami versus number 12 Kentucky. And the basketball blue blood won handily. Wildcats beat the Canes 95 to 73. SEC goes up 1. Don't worry, I'm not going to go through all of the the ACC-SEC challenge. But unranked Georgia Tech did upset number 21 Mississippi State by 8. ACC continued to roll as Clemson beat number 23 Alabama after the Tigers put up 52 points in the second half. Now the ACC would go on to lead 7 games to 4, which is 3 games to go. And obviously just one game away from winning the entire challenge. But Auburn, Georgia, and Arkansas would finish it out against their ACC opponents. Arkansas handed number seven Duke their first loss of the week. Yep. 
So after the challenge was over, Duke also lost to ACC rival Georgia Tech. Number 17, UNC remained undefeated at home after upsetting number 10, Tennessee, in a close one. UNC scored 61 points in the first half, and even though the Vols mounted a comeback, they fell eight points short. Number 14, Texas A&M versus Virginia was a very low-scoring game. The Aggies only scored 47 points in the entire game, and needless to say, they lost to the Cavaliers. That kind of wraps up the SEC ACC cha- or challenge. Not really what people wanted with it being tied seven to seven. Also in ranked upsets for the week, St. Joseph's beat number 18 Villanova by 13 in the Big Five Classic. Notre Dame then proceeded to lose to Drexel by two three days later. Number one, Purdue lost their first game of the entire season, and it was the first game in the Big Ten. They lose to Northwestern. Northwestern rallied in the second half to force overtime with the number one team in the country and then beat them by four. Also, in the spirit of the ACC-SEC challenge, the Big East versus Big 12 battle started, and it was a Big ranked first ranked matchup. Number four, UConn and number five, Kansas had a great close game, but the Jayhawks prevailed by four. Wisconsin got off to a hot start, scoring 46 in the first half against number three, Marquette. And even though they struggled in the second half, the Badgers managed to hold them off and win by 11. Number 12, Kentucky may have had a great start to their week, taking out the Canes, but they ended up losing to UNC Wilmington by seven on Saturday. And then to round out the week, Sunday only had one upset. Two and six Southern beat number 21 Mississippi State by a single point. So Mississippi State not having a great week, first getting upset by Georgia Tech and then Southern. All right, we are going to skip, obviously, college football because we already handled that. So moving along to the NFL, finishing last week's games, which was obviously Monday Night Football. The Bears won Monday night without scoring a single touchdown. The Chicago team beat the Vikings 12 to 10. Yep. That would be four field goals. God, that's painful. I'm glad I didn't watch that game. So this week on the NFL, the only thing worse than last week's Monday night football game with no touchdowns is this week's Chargers Patriots game, which also had no touchdowns. Not only that, but there were only six points scored in the entire game. And it was two 38 yard field goals by the Chargers in the second quarter. The stats for this game were almost identical. The time of possession was literally 28 minutes and 50 seconds to 31 minutes and 10 seconds, then 13 first downs apiece and 240 yards versus 257 yards offense. Absolute snooze fest. It just literally must have gone back and forth in the middle of the field. It was, I could not even imagine. Thank God I didn't watch. Also, the Jets didn't manage to score a touchdown in their game either against the Falcons. Needless to say, they did lose because the Falcons did manage to score a touchdown. They lost 8-13. to There was a safety in there. Moving along to more exciting games. As there were seven games within a touchdown, the Cowboys beat the Seahawks 41-35. to There we go. There's some points for you. On Thursday Night Football in Dallas, this extends their home win streak to 14, although it was a close one with Dallas was trailing 35-27 to in the fourth quarter, but Dak Prescott and the, and the Cowboys would mount that comeback. On Sunday, the Colts-Titans game, when their win probability chart changed teams 25 times. So that literally is a really rickety chart. 
This game was so evenly matched with two turnovers apiece. The Titans scored their final touchdown with 2.31 to go in the game to tie it up and take it into overtime. But then the Tennessee team would score a field goal and the Colts would do one better, getting 75 yards in five plays to score a touchdown and win. The Lions came out hot in their game, putting up 21 points in the first quarter, and all they had to do was hang on after that. They outlasted the Saints 33-28. to The Broncos have been on a hot streak lately, but so has Texans rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud. Despite going 13 straight points to start the game, the Broncos came fighting back. The Denver team was driving down only five points with under five minutes to go in the game and was on the Texans' eight-yard line when the Houston team came up with a huge game-saving interception to win their game by five. The Panthers also put up a better-than-normal fight but still lost to the Bucks by three. In some of the not-so-close games of the week, the Cardinals are bouncing back nicely, winning another game 24-10 to over the Steelers. The Dolphins rolled over the Commanders, putting up 31 points in the first half and won their game ultimately by 30. In a huge upset that wasn't even close, the Eagles lost 42-19 to to the 49ers. Quarterback Brock Purdy threw four touchdowns and they put up 14 points in the final three quarters apiece. Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts did go out of the game for a little bit but did re-enter trying to get the Phillies team back in it, but Purdy and McCaffrey were not to be denied. So there is a huge upset there. Eagles take their second loss of the season. It was a star-studded event at Lambeau Field for Sunday Night Football with both Taylor Swift and Simone Biles in the house and cheering for opposite teams as Simone Biles' husband plays for the Packers. And we all know who Taylor Swift's dating. So the Chiefs looked a little off that day, but Jordan Love, the quarterback for the Packers, did not. He threw three touchdowns, and now everyone is starting to love Love's name. The Packers upset the Chiefs 27-19 to to get back to 500. The KC team is now 8-4. and four. This week in the PGA Tour, they competed in the Hero Challenge, which was hosted and played in by Tiger Woods in the Bahamas. Scotty Scheffler was in the lead early and really never gave it back. He won by three for his seventh title. This was his first win since the players in March when he was then plagued by putting issues. So nice to see him back in the winner's circle there. Moving along to Olympic sports, France looks to have another Olympics awarded to it on the eve of their own Paris Summer Olympic Games. A united bid of the Alps is one of the top picks for the 2030 Winter Games. Its main competition for France is being Sweden and Switzerland. Salt Lake City also is in the running, but it also may be just for the next year or the next Olympics, which would be the 2034 Games. It is a solo bid there, so only Salt Lake City is in that running. So don't be surprised if there's a joint announcement just like Paris LA could be still France and Salt Lake City for the next two winter games as well. That should be announced earlier this or like early summer. So here's something we haven't seen since 2012. Katie Ledecky has lost a 400-meter freestyle race in an American pool. Canadian teenager Summer McIntosh beat Katie by three seconds on Thursday at the U.S. Open Championships in North Carolina. The last time she lost, Katie did, at the was at the London 
2012 Olympic trials when she was just 15. Now, Australian Ariana Titmus is the world record holder after breaking McIntosh's new record, which only stood for about three months. So it looks like the 400 meter freestyle for the women are going is just going to be one of the hardest goals golds to win in Paris. And then we have some good and sad bobsled and luge news. So bobsled first, Kaylee Humphreys will miss this season because she is having a baby. She is due in June. She and her husband are both bobsledders, so watch out Winter Olympics world. She still plans to be back in time for the 2026 Olympic Games. And like I said, in contrast to that, in sad luge news, United States' Chris Mazeter is retiring. The 35-year-old is hanging it up after four Olympic bursts and being the first American to medal in men's singles luge. This weekend at Lake Placid, which is like literally minutes from his home, will be his final race at the World Cup this weekend. That is what happened over the last week. Now let's move on to what to watch this upcoming week in the world of sports. And like I said, in the NBA, we've got in-season tournament quarterfinals starting tonight. The Celtics take on the Pacers at 6.30 on TNT, followed by the Pelicans at the Kings at 9. Then Tuesday, the rest of the quarterfinals will be in action. The Knicks at the Bucks at 6.30 on TNT, followed by the Suns at the Lakers at 9. We return to regular scheduled programming for the NBA on Wednesday. Spurs at the Timberwolves at 6.30 p.m. on ESPN, followed by the Nuggets at the Clippers at 9. Then Thursday, the semifinals. Obviously, teams are to be determined from tonight and tomorrow night's games. So, But those teams will play at 4 p.m. on ESPN and then the next two at 8 p.m. on TNT. Friday, the Clippers play the Jazz at 9 on ESPN. And then on Saturday, the NBA in-season tournament final, TBD at TBD, obviously, will be at 7.30 on ABC and absolutely no games scheduled on Sunday. In men's basketball, we've got a couple ranked matchups. The Jimmy V Classic, we see two on Tuesday. Number 13, FAU at number 24, Illinois. They play at 5.30 on ESPN. Then also number 17, UNC, takes on number four, UConn, at 8 p.m. on ESPN. Expect UConn to fall pretty drastically in the rankings this next week. Um, Wednesday, take the Big East Big 12 battle. We'll have a ranked matchup. Number 16, Texas, takes on number three, Marquette, at seven on Fox Sports 1. Then we have to wait till Saturday to get a ranked matchup. Number 24, Illinois, takes on number 10, Tennessee, at 11 on CBS. And then in the Hall of Fame series, which will produce a lot of ranked matchups on the women's side, number 23, Alabama, will take on number one, Purdue, at 1230 on Fox. And that wraps it up for the week for the men. On the women's side, the Hall of Fame Showcase produces three ranked versus ranked matchups all on Sunday, starting number two, UCLA at number 15, Florida State. They play at 11 a.m. on ESPN2, followed by number 12, Utah versus number one, South Carolina at 1.30 on ESPN. And finally, number 24, UNC takes on 11, UConn at four on ESPN as well. In college football, it's not quite over. Game day will be at Army at Navy. So the Army-Navy game is a tradition. It's always held the week after the conference championships. They will play on Saturday at 2, and that will be on CBS. Also, Saturday night, the Heisman Trophy ceremony will be on ESPN. You can catch that coverage beginning at 7. 
In the NFL world, Monday Night Football tonight, the Bengals at the Jacks at 7.15. They will play on ABC and ESPN. Thursday Night Football will be the Patriots at the Steelers at 7.15 on Prime. Might actually be something the Steelers can actually win because the Patriots can't score anything. On Sunday, there'll be seven games at noon on CBS and Fox. The CBX games are the Bucks at the Falcons, the Colts at the Bengals, the Jags at the Browns, and the Texans at the Jets. The Fox games are the Lions at the Bears, the Panthers at the Saints, and the Rams at the Ravens. At 3.05 on Fox, you can either catch the Vikings at the Raiders or the Seahawks at the 49ers. And then at 3.25 on CBS, catch the Bills at the Chiefs, which ought to be a great game, or the Broncos at the Chargers. And then Sunday Night Football will be a big one. Eagles at the Cowboys at 7.20 on NBC. The Eagles got the best of the Cowboys last time, but this time we're in Dallas, and we all know how they play at home, so they don't want to break that streak, and currently the Eagles are struggling. Then next Monday night, we've got two games, the Titans at the Dolphins at 7.15 on ESPN, followed by, or actually at the same time, the Packers at the Giants at 7.15 on ABC. We do have a little bit of hockey on this week. Wednesday, the Stars at the Panthers at 6 on TNT, followed by the Hurricanes at the Oilers at 8.30. Thursday, the Stars take on the Capitals, so back-to-back on TV that night, this week. They will play at 7 on ESPN, followed by the Devils at the Kraken at 9.30. Then, skipping all the way down to Olympic news, we do have a little bit of the U.S. Open championships being held in North Carolina that you could watch, which we went over with Katie Ledecky. That will be Saturday at four on NBC. And then you can catch the figure skating ISU Grand Prix finals, which will be in Beijing. That will be at 3 p.m. on NBC on Sunday. And then tiny bit of soccer news because we do have the MLS final on Saturday. That will be at three on Fox between Columbus and LAFC. So be sure you check that out. It'll be a great game and a great way to end the MLS season. That wraps it up for me this week. Sorry for the audible and starting with college football, but I figured you guys wanted to know right off the bat as it is clearly the headline coming out of the weekend. There are more stories as well as obviously the coaching carousel I didn't go over and games all on the blog, the Girlfriend's Guide to Sports. Be sure to check that out. Otherwise, I'll catch y'all next week.